Okay, it is time. <laughs> it's time for another podcast. So, good afternoon. I am Rachel Vote, and you are Jess Anderson. Jess Anderson, tell them where they can find you. Photoswithanderson.com or on Facebook. You can also search for my private group. It's Boudoir Photos with Anderson. And you should check it out because I just literally got done doing a boudoir session and it's oh, it's my passion. It's what lights my soul on fire. And I think you'll have a good time in that group. Yeah, it, it was a good time to hang out in. I just got done doing the hair for said session. Yeah. So, yeah, get on it for whatever reason. Whether it's for yourself, a partner, a wedding, Valentine's Day. Literally anything because mm -hmm. it's Monday and you want to feel good about Mondays like I I Didn't realize it was actually Monday until we were like halfway through the session and I was just like this is the best way to spend a Monday ever like Come in get pampered take sure yeah photos of yourself like that makes sense. It's uh, a great Yeah, great way to make Mondays your bitch <laughs> Yeah, okay, so we've got empowerment classes happening. I'm super stoked about that Make sure if you're having some Discord in your life, anxiety, stress, which we're going to be talking about today. So tune right on in. Turn it up if you need to. Tune in, turn on, tap in, something like that. Messed up the order. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, so make sure to message me if you would like to get set up for one of those. There's both weekday and weekend classes available. Flexible to your schedule. We're back this week cooking in Chef Tone's kitchen. I'm really excited. I don't have any idea what we're cooking, but I'm stoked to be a part of it. And if you need a place for intimacy, wellness, building, and all those kinds of things, you gotta be 18 years or older and a feminine energy, but we will welcome you with open arms. Oh. Oh. Rachel's Did you see that? Up, yeah, Rachel's putting up her, on her lip gloss and she got a little bit too much. Yeah, I was like trying to be gentle with it for the first two minutes of this podcast and it wasn't coming out. And then lo and behold, asking you shall receive. And it was like <laughs> too much. But it's okay. All right. So today we wanted to continue this um, conversation about kind of, I mean, we're in this cycle of we're talking about purging. We were talking about checking in with yourself, tuning into your emotions, getting clear on set emotions, reevaluating goals. So really, I mean, we've just been doing a podcast about life, yeah. <laughs> but kind of in succinct, um, unintentional order like that for you to kind of, you know, in general, I mean, for people to process. And so um, I thought maybe we could talk a lot about today some stress, worry, anxiety, if you, in general, people feel like they're going through that. And I think, again... At some point, everybody is. Oh, yeah. About and something, right? I feel like, in general, everybody goes through it. And I think that just because of the climate that the world is in right now, with the pandemic, that it's heightened for a lot of people. And I personally know a couple of girls that never seemed to have anxiety as a, as a major problem in their life. Like, they seemed to let things roll off the shoulder, go with the flow a lot. Mm -hmm. But then, because of COVID, they lost their jobs or were cut back on their hours and for, so for the first time in their life they really feel like they are suffering from anxiety yeah because i feel like everybody experiences anxiety about something like I, well I, anxiety is just worry out of control in my opinion yes i agree and i will always remember i had a spanish <coughs> teacher in high school that was the first person that actually taught me or helped me explain what anxious actually was because i used to 
use the word anxious for excited or okay. like like I was looking forward to something because I had oh, yeah. like a lot of like I'm anxious for my birthday yeah like I'm sure. anxious for my birthday because I got a lot of emotions and I'm <clears throat> all jittery about it but it was that was good energy yeah, good yeah. feelings yeah, yeah but I was using the word anxious and she like she was a um, she was a Spanish teacher who was originally from Brazil, so her native language was Portuguese. Yeah. Then she learned Spanish, then she learned English, and so she, there was always a lot of, like, us teaching her the meaning behind English words and her teaching us the meaning be- behind Spanish words. And she, I remember that the day that she, like I said, I was anxious for the summer or something, and she was just like, why do you worry so much? Like, why are you worrying about the summer so much? And I was like, well, like, I'm excited. And she's like, she's like, yeah. she's like, Americans just use anxious for everything these days. And I was just like. Oh, well, I didn't know I was wrong, but oh, thanks for like. Yeah, but because it came, became culture. It's yeah. just like anything else almost is like the word got disassociated from the true meaning. Yeah. Because like even like if you're in sarcasm, right, you're like, that's cool. Like, right. Yes. It's yeah. like to somebody who doesn't natively speak the culture of English, they would go, is that cool? You know, yeah. Yeah. so it's that's how it gets there. But. As we're talking about it, I think that that's kind of where I feel like it is, is that it starts as stress. Mm-hmm. Stress, I mean, you can say, oh my gosh, I feel stressed. I feel really stressed, right? But stress is kind of like the inkling of the indication, right? Yeah. Worry is when you've been stressing about it for too long. And anxiety is when it's out of control in some method. Yes. Right? I would say it's, display, it's, it's displaying signals somehow, either um, mentally or I would even say physically, it can manifest yeah. in oh, a headache, which, or migraine, or I say, I illness. Get, I get migraines, but I, I get, like, blurry vision migraines where my head hurts and I can't see, yeah. like, clearly. So, how powerful is that? Oh, yeah. Because, you know, not only, I mean, everybody talks about, like, the connection between, you know, your diet and body, mm-hmm. and, and the lack thereof for our awareness of that, but I think that the infinite amount of power that your mind holds to help heal your body. The disconnect there is stronger when people don't realize, I think that the power behind that mental aspect of it. Oh yeah. I have, I mean, I think, I feel like if you can visualize, if you think about a friend that, you know, suffers from mental health issues and how they always (coughs) appear to be sickly, they always appear to be under the weather their like body, like their body language, they carry themselves a certain way. Yeah. Like I have 10 friends that jump to the top of my brain that they always appear to be ill. Like they always, they always. Could you call them lovingly like the Eeyores of your life? Lovingly, yes. 100%. Like they, maybe, they, maybe they're not like, hi guys, but it's an aura, an it energy is. of it, it. It really is. And so, I mean, that to me, that is the manifestation of the mental health connection with the physical being because your brain really does connect, like it sends signals on how the rest of your body needs to function. It's not, you know, it's not source, it's not energy. So it's not telling your body the, the type of energy it needs to use. It's it's telling your liver how to function. It's mm-hmm. telling your lungs how to function. It's reminding your, your lungs to move and breathe when you're not consciously thinking about it. But it's also like slowly like poisoning your body in, in, a, in a fashion if you Absolutely. think about it. Like it's, it's slowly putting stress on your organs, putting, I don't even know how to like, I don't want to use the word stress. I'm trying to think of a different way to describe it, but it's strain. It's strain. Thank you. Strain. Mm -hmm. It's putting strain on different organs and that cause and effect leads to physical ailments and feeling sick, feeling nauseous. It's because your stomach, it feels tight and it's twisting and it's, that is your body's manifestation of physical anxiety and physical stress. Yes. 
don't feel right. <laughs> yes, and, and we don't even talk about that, like, growing up. Like, you have phys ed is not connected to – health class is not mental health class. It is only oh, – yeah. it's only diet and exercise content. Yeah. I, I mean, I, when I was in school, I should say, I can't yeah. speak to today. I, yeah, I can't speak to today either. I do think that we went over, like um... – severe mental health diagnosis it like that these mm, things yeah exist. more in high school yeah, yeah like like these things exist but it wasn't these are symptoms these are like how you can recognize that you might be suffering from these things like it was this is how just, incredibly common it is yeah, and how many yeah. variations there oh, are yeah. that was never nowhere close to what we covered it was Everything was so black and white. Textbook definitions. Right? You either have it or you don't. Not like you have mild doses of it. Not that it comes when your hormones fluctuate. Not that one day it's a 10, one day it's a 3. Oh, yeah. And there was no no conversation that I can recall about the correlation between um, how you treat your body and how it affects your mental health. There was no correlation about the food that you put in your body can affect your mental health. Right. Or that, that the things you surround yourself with. I think the only correlation that they made about health and mental health was drugs, was drugs, sure. alcohol, and cigarettes, was that if you use these things, <laughs> since they're bad, you're going to feel bad and you're going to think bad things. Like, that's the only thing I remember from my mental, or like, from mental sure. health I can see that. aspects of class, uh, health classes. Yeah. So, when we talk about how much stress and anxiety and worry there are in terms of um, triggers or contributors... <clears throat> It still dials back down to, as we talked about previously, that you can only feel two things, right? Mm-hmm. You can only feel bad or you can only feel good. Yeah. So, obviously, we're going to put where, worry where on the spectrum. <coughs> Excuse me. We're going to put it on the bad side mm-hmm. of the spectrum. Put it on the bad side of the spectrum. So, I recently had this connection through personal development. So, worry is just... The anticipation of the future that you don't have the tools for yet. Mm-hmm. Right? That makes sense. So when you hang out in the future where you don't have the tools to cope, that's why you're freaking out. Because the only true power you really have is to be present with what you have in this moment. And that's what we always talk about is that that's what brain's terrible thing is, unfortunately, that it always, always, always thinks about everything that could potentially be going wrong more often than what could be going right. And that's what we're trying to rewire. Yeah. <clears throat> You're already going to be doing it anyway. So why don't you project a better future? Why don't you pick the movie theater better? You, yeah. If you've seen this movie before, walk out and find another. Exactly. So <clears throat> it's a lot of that, that work. But um, what it tends to be is that <clears throat> the feeling that you get, I like to, I've been talking about in my classes lately that I feel it for me, it's under my breastbone. Like it's right where my rib cage meets, which happens to be a chakra, which is very hippy, I know. Mm-hmm. But that's where you get butterflies, good and bad, mm-hmm. right? That's where sometimes you feel it when you go up and down in. Yeah. Real, I almost said a railroad. <laughs> Roller coaster, right? So the worry that people feel is when they are not in alignment with that, that feeling. Like, right? Like that, if that's not there, you're content. You're not angry. You're not upset because that's when it kicks in. So <clears throat> what we tend to do is we think that that feeling is because somebody else is making us feel that way. Mm-hmm. And that's even when you get to a really great level in personal development, you forget that 
discord is not a misalignment with other people, mm-hmm. especially when you're in good relationships with people, because that's when you get burned the worst is because you're like, I thought they knew me. I thought that their expectation of me was better. I thought that they were always going to give me what I wanted because they understood what I needed. They were, they were telling me that they were telling me they were showing me by giving me what I needed and now it's gone. So that is the, the thing that we look outwardly to so much that when it's gone, it's gone. Mm-hmm. And it's just a replication from the first time it happened when you were three to when you were five to somebody else did it when you were 15. Well, because you keep asking for the same thing until you <clears throat> forgive, heal and forgive. But that's what it is. It's you have to remember that it's not misalignment with anybody but yourself. And if it doesn't feel good, you have to choose to feel a better feeling. And that's the part where people are like, it's okay. First, I thought it was going to be harder for me to recognize choosing the better feeling. Mm-hmm. It was harder for me to t- tune into when I was not feeling good. Really? I think because I just been feeling bad for so long that it was my normal. So it was really hard for me to catch go to catch and go this doesn't feel right. Because it was comfortable. It was what I had already had been know- knowing for so long. So it was harder for me to recognize the bad feeling thought. Also because they moved a million miles an hour in my head. Mm-hmm. So it was hard for me to slow them down. So yeah, that was the harder work for me, but I think it I mean, it might be my misconception but because nobody's talking about it, but maybe we will now, is that I don't, I, I think that other people have it the other way around. Yeah. I think it's also, like, it, it's because when you're worrying about it, unless you're verbalizing it to other people, you might not even realize that you're worrying about it because it's such a common, like, it's, it's, it's common dialogue. It's common dialogue in your brain. It's auto to, like, autopilot. Like, you don't recognize that you're doing it. Right. So it takes a while to catch it. Like, it, I, it takes me forever to catch it. I mean, I'm getting better at recognizing that, like, this is what's this is what I'm feeling. This is what's going on in my head. But I recognize that I'm just praying for stuff I don't want, worrying about the future that hasn't happened yet, ruining my, my mood present in, moment. in the present moment. Mm-hmm. So it's I'm getting there, but it's it's not like an instant thing. No, it won't it, be. It, it takes a while. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think that... So, so are you, you're thinking that most people will have a harder time choosing the better mood or that they think that that will be the hard part, but it's really recognizing. Well, it was for me. Yeah. It was for me. And so, <clears throat> I mean, when you talk about it, like, I think it might first, it could be choosing or, or... <clears throat> gosh, I can't, sorry. <clears throat> I need to cough drop or something, but I don't know, I guess, because when you're around negativity, right, you know, mm-hmm. like, it, be, it breeds negativity. Oh, yeah. Well, and that, that just becomes part of the norm. So yeah. is that the recognition of it first and going, I hear the track, I hear the track, I hear the track? Or is it, I just don't like that feeling. I don't like the feeling, so I, I got to rec- recognize and tune into it now. Well, I feel like it's a little bit of frog soup, and I love this example, so I use it as often as I can. But I feel like in the beginning, since since we're all predisposed to being more negative and worrying more because that's what the social norm has become that when you are surrounded by other people that are in that negative headspace it's not as easy to recognize that that's what you're surrounded with because that's what you're used to right but once you start to do the self-development work and start to pay attention to those things you start to pick up on it a little bit quicker so it's like frog soup if you put a frog in cold water and slowly turn up the heat they'll sit there and boil themselves to death but if you take a a frog and put it into boiling hot water, they will jump right out. So it's kind of, you know, when you're not trying to become aware, you're not trying to improve your mental health, you're not doing the personal development work. If you walk into 
a room of negativity, you're in that negative headspace. You're not going to recognize it right away. It's going to be harder to recognize that that's what you're surrounded with. But once you start to do the work, once you start to improve upon your, your own recognizing and awareness of that, that negative headspace that you can sometimes get into, I think it's easier to recognize it and say, I want to choose a better feeling. And if I don't like, if I don't have control over the situation or if I choosing a better feeling is not going to change the situation then I just need to leave. I think that it gets easier to recognize that to just remove yourself from the situation. Does that make sense? Yeah. And what you said though is something that I think takes a note. Because you said what you can and can't control. Well, I think that's part of what causes stress is the illusion of control to anything that we have but to ourselves. And it doesn't matter how good you get at awareness. I don't, I don't want to say that you forget that you only control yourself. It's just that you, you still work with emotions of the real world that you live in. Yes. I guess I'm more, I was more coming from a place of if there are concerns for your safety, concerns for, for issues that like for things that. So what I was trying to say is that I agree with what you're saying is that there is an illusion of control that, that really does aid in people's, anxiety and stress and worry levels and it's not it doesn't aid it in a good way but if they're once you start to become aware of how you feel in certain situations you're going to be quicker to recognize that you don't belong here you don't there's nothing for you here you it's better for you to just leave whereas i i always go back to thinking about you know my 19 to 22 year old self in my what we call the blackout days like I don't ever remember blacking out in those days, but now when I think back, I can't remember anything that happened like in any of those bad situations that I was in, but drinking, I was around drugs. I didn't, wasn't usually partaking in anything, but I was in situations that I was uncomfortable in, but I didn't recognize that that's what I was feeling at the time. I was just like, Oh, this is new. Like, this is a strange experience. I don't know what this is, but now as a, like as an older, more mature adult, I know that when I walk into a situation, if I see something that I don't agree with, I'm not comfortable with, I'm just going to turn around and leave. Like there's no reason for me to sit here and people please or feel peer pressure. It's just, I think age, maturity, those things. But if you are in a situation where you're talking to your spouse and you feel like you can control whatever situation you're in, that's where it's like anxiety and worry is going to take over your life. Is if you think that you can control how the other person's going to react, how the outcome is going to be, you just have to start to learn how to, control your own thoughts, control your own actions and be happy with, with how you present yourself and how you conduct yourself and give up the, the thought or theory of controlling the outcome. Yeah. And I think if you, and that's but, one example of, yeah, if so you, different situations. if you potentially align your control with the word choose, as we've been talking about, mm-hmm. it might take some pressure. Right, because like I think sometimes control, I think about like you're working at it, right? Yeah. You have to work at figuring out the choice. You have to work at continuing to choose. You know, like what I mean. But if you just know in your heart of hearts that you always have the choice, yeah, then that might just be a little ease. Uh, and I just think that is what so many people are looking for. Oh, I agree. Mental ease and flow. Mental ease and flow, like. Like, you can control your reactions, you can control how you respond to other people, but a great example that I have for my own life and that I know that other people, unless they've lived through something similar or not, it won't resonate with them as much as it does for me, but um, is when I 
communicate with Brett's ex-wife. And there's been a few times over the, the, the course of our relationship that his ex-wife has gotten upset about something that I said or did. And I could have chosen to get angry. Like, how dare you accuse me of having ulterior motives? Or how dare you claim that I did this to f make you feel attacked? But instead, I was just like, I you know, I didn't have to, but I chose to explain myself. Like, this was my thought process behind whatever action happened. It was not to take away from your thoughts, feelings, however you were going to react. But then I, I pointed out, I am not in control of how other people react. I'm only in control of myself. I'm only in control of my motives, my mental, like, you know, am I doing things for a positive reason or a negative reason, yada, yada, yada. But I... I think that's when I first started to really understand what control was for me. I still am not great at it in every situation, but I'm miles ahead of where I used to be when I was younger because I used to think that I could control the outcomes based off of if I said the right thing, if I did the right thing, whatever, then I would get the outcome that I was hoping for from other people or from certain situations. And it's just not that way. You could do the right thing. You can do all the things and please all the people and still have a shitty outcome at the end. So it's learning how to be okay with your thoughts, your actions. Right. Because at the end life. of the day, it's, it is the only thing that matters. And I think that that's like a lot of the work that people just are not prepared for in that personal development realm of the mental flow. I don't like to use the word peace because peace just sounds like a finality, I guess. Yeah. But but that is what it is. Like choosing to live in joy all the time is <laughs> it's hard in a sense that you're always going to get backlash because people are just like, it's not feasible. I'm not saying I'm, and I can't say I'm not saying, I would like to say that collectively people are saying that agree to this motive that it's not about that things won't happen that won't stress you out or bring you anxiety or whatever. Again, it's that that's why you get to choose to deal with it the power of now, right? Mm -hmm. Because otherwise that's when you get in the endless loop of the what will happen in the future possibilities mm -hmm. that eliminates the delay of how long you will prolong the suffering. Oh, yeah. It's that, I think prolonging the suffering is a, is a major thing that people need to stop and realize that that's what you're doing when right. you are stuck in that cycle of anxiety and worry and stress about things that are because in the it's hard to hear and accept that it is hard you. to hear and accept yeah but it it is life-changing when you can recognize that that's what you're doing i mean you know real life example brett brett is is dealing with a, a court case custody battle with his ex-wife right now and he goes through i mean i'm guilty of it too but he he's much more vocal about the what-ifs like well, what if this happens or what if that happens? Like, what if we get to this point and then this happens? And then what if, like, what happens if a year from now everything changes or blah, 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 blah. And I have had to say to him a couple of times, like, we could play the what if game for 10 more hours and still come up with a million different responses. But we're all, we're just going to be stuck in this, like, stressed out, anxiety, hating on other people mode. I was like, what can we do right now? What can we do this week? What can we plan for, for the, you know, the next weekend that we have the kids? things that we can do to make our time with them meaningful and impactful because that's really all we want is is to have meaningful connection, you know, with our children, impactful connection with our children so that we can leave a good influence on them, I guess. But having I'm proud of myself for being able to say, well, we need to stop with the what if game because that's what I'm like known for in life. 
but it's the recognizing it, pausing to accept that that's what you're doing and like, and accept like, okay, that's what I've been stressing and worrying and playing the what if games and freaking out about the future and ruining my moment right now, because how many nights have you gone to bed, freaked out and stressed out about the next day? And then you just ruined your whole night. You ruined your quality of sleep. You ruined how great your next morning was, things like that. It's, I don't know. It's hard for people to to accept. It's hard. It's well, hard it's hard for hear. people. Well, I was just gonna say that's what it is. Is like sometimes I feel like <clears throat> you like I I think that this has been hard for me to collect because I feel I always am so concerned about the way it sounds egotistically. Yes. But when you take that aside, like there's a level of audience that we no longer attract. Oh yeah. Because it turns them off to listen to what we have to say because. And I understand that because I was in there. So when I sit over here, I was just talking about this on a coaching call today, is that there's one particular, it was, a, it was the one time that somebody had really kind of got under my skin in terms of something that they said to me about being privileged. And mm -hmm. that was a defining moment for me where it was like, I could have, it was the splittiest of split seconds where it was like 2018 Rachel to 2020 Rachel of, no, my, my, my intention of the message, well, I felt like I had to defend it clearly, but it was that I know that I was born with some privileges. I know I had to earn some. Mm -hmm. And that's one of those, which is I can speak this from this, this point of view because it happened to me and I know it to be true to myself and nobody else would do anything different. Oh, yeah. So when you get to that level, there's going to be some people, and this is just so important for you to hear, because if you're mad at us when we say things like that, and if you've already tuned out, bye. But that's why it is, is because you're hearing something I didn't want to hear either. I didn't want to hear I was fully responsible for being overweight. Well, I mean, I, don't, I mean, that was one. I don't think that. I think for me, it's the money. Money is my issue. Being an entrepreneur is my issue. Those are the things that I struggle with the most. Um, at one time, it was about... Well, people don't being even intimate like I was not a vulnerable person so that was a thing for me too yeah. my relationships people don't want to hear that they're stuck in a it's their fault that they're stuck in a cycle of shitty relationships so they won't believe it yeah, for a long time they won't and I mean there's so many different examples that stress and anxiety and worry can cause negative outcomes in areas of your life that it sucks to like it sucks to hear that it's your fault because most of us I'm speaking from personal experience here most of us have spent years, if not our entire lives, point, pointing the blame at other people. That Because we were taught to do that, though. We were taught to do that. We were taught that other people make you feel certain ways. And it's learning that no one is in control of how you feel. It doesn't matter the outside pressures of the world. It doesn't matter the outside influence of the world. Ultimately, you get to choose how to be happy, how to be sad, how to be angry, whatever. We're taught. We see other people... How they act when they're happy, how they act when they're sad, right. how they so that, act when they're Our angry. perceptions are that we should behave that way. Exactly. Yes. So that's how that's how we as humans are hardwired to, to collectively react. agree on a, per, a perception. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, you know, my biological father was an alcoholic and was very rageful when he was angry. So when I get angry, when I get really angry, I get really rageful. It's something that I've worked on for years because I don't like feeling that way. I don't like reacting that way to certain situations. But that's what I was shown at early ages when I was impressionable, when I was, my brain was harder at wiring itself to say, this is how human beings act when they feel X emotion. You know, 
whatever you can you can put it in any any emotion think back to a core memory that you have of your parents your friends celebrities movies whatever and that might be hard so you might actually want to just think about something right now that makes you feel icky well yes you can and then you can well. try to trace back to it um but it, it like ultimately it boils down to whether you can remember the exact moment or not it boils down to things that influenced you and stuck took hold you might not remember the exact thing but your brain wired itself to say this is how humans react this right. is how humans act towards each you other. will feel most like your tribe if you react this way exactly if you buy this thing and feel happy if you go on that trip and feel fulfilled yes. if you teach We're, that language and all human beings, help out all human beings are trying to do down to their core is survive and a huge survival tactic is blending in is is not standing out from the crowd because if you get down to the um you said you think that all humans are trying to survive I think so. yeah. I would say all organisms, but well, I would say all, all souls are here to create. Yes, but to create to prolong the lifeline of your being. Mm, I think it's that, arguable. <laughs> it's a subpoint. Sub yeah, but I think that it gets down to like a um, an I can't think of the word like a ancestral ancestral, but like like caveman. If you get down to the caveman way of thinking. Anything that they did was to survive. Any they did right, not because they were not Homo sapiens, right? Yeah, yes, sure, sure. Because they were closer to what we talk about, like with animals and the wild. Yes. Now, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a natural. There we go. A natural instinct is to do things to survive. You don't go like I'm speaking for the general population because I know that there's a lot of like people who love doing things that are dangerous just for the thrill of it, things like that. But on a societal stance, we tend to shy away from things that we think could end in death. We tend to shy away from things that could cause severe harm. Now, we all do stupid shit occasionally, things like that, but on a grand scheme of things, we are not all walking out in front of traffic trying to get hit on a daily basis because then we would all be dead. Um, but so I think on an emotional plane, on an emotional stance, our brains are hardwired to survive and it does not matter what situation you are in your brain is going to choose the thing that it it thinks will help it survive so but because we don't know how the outcomes are going to come i think our, we've hardwired our brains over the over time to play the what if game so that we think what we're doing we think is that we're mentally preparing for multiple outcomes so that whatever happens, we think we have a solution. Oh, that, that makes us feel us. safe. Yes, it helps yes. us feel safe. But it doesn't. Helps us feel like we're going to survive whatever the outcome is. But all it does is prolong your misery. All it does is ruin your mental state in, in the now. And it makes you spend too much time worrying about the future. Because ultimately, we have no control over what's going to happen. Right. I know this is really morbid to think of. But an airplane could come crashing through the ceiling right now. So there's no even like point of worrying about if traffic's going to be really bad in an hour or not, because there might not be any traffic in an hour anyways. Like it's really just focusing on the here and the now. What are you doing in this moment? How do you feel? If you don't feel good, you need to change something. Right. And it's hard because again, it always sounds like this. It sounds like there's so much simplicity in the answer of choose a better feeling, but it is. It's just that it's how do you get to being in the awareness of choosing the better feeling? Like we talked about slowing down your thoughts and so on and so forth. But that's 
still like a level two or level three. So you have to take it back down to square one before you know anything, right? And you have to get into the breathing techniques or journaling or working your body out 30 minutes a day or choosing more water and less soda. Like those are the, those are the fundamentals Mm -hmm. of what we're talking about to getting to where we are. So if you just like, you're like, it's so easy for you just to say, choose a better feeling because you're just so much more positive than you. Yeah. But you just said it yourself. You know, you watched it. You saw it happen two years ago where I was negative Nancy and be blown up your phone right now about election season coming up. Right. So, you know it's possible and that's why you're still here to this day and if you are new we really appreciate you because then you're like who are these crazy women just talking about whatever they want every week or whatever um but that's really cool too because you're already attracted to what we talk about which means that you either already got here somehow or you about to binge listen to all of our podcasts and probably go back to 2018 on our facebook okay I don't, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> you can do that you can do it on my page i don't care i don't care well, my sister just sent me a memory today from had to be three years ago because it was before I had Olivia and she's like I didn't even recognize you when it came up in my memories and I was like that's funny because it came up in mine too because we were tagged right yeah and I said and to myself I looked at it and go we look so much like sisters in that picture like more than we ever have and I was like but I was so fat and I I don't even like to use that phrase at all but I feel like I can say that about myself now in the moment I would have never used that I would have always just said plus size but I could tell, like my, it was my lifestyle, it wasn't my body and just in the, my weight in general. It was everything. My life was just fat. <laughs> it was just yeah. <laughs> indulgent. And anyway, so we want you to know that we, it, it sounds asinine for us to sit here and say, choose a better feeling, but there is the process behind it. And you were on part of it, whether it was that you're like, oh yeah, I guess I could try breathing. Or if you're like, oh, I said I was going to do yoga or even if it was just, you know, go on a walk after dinner tonight with your family as the weather's cooling down. It's the perfect time as the leaves begin to change and it reminds us how lovely it is to let things go. Just saying. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, one day at a time, one day at a time. So what are like, we kind of brushed over it, but things that you can do to help you slow down in the moment, things that you can do to help you learn how to choose that, that other path, like that other feeling. So, what are some level one tools that you would give to somebody, you know, saying that they recognize that they suffer from anxiety, mm-hmm. they, they suffer from worrying too much about the future when, when they have a moment, cause it, I mean, you have to take it moment by moment. You can't think that just from listening to this podcast that you're going to be an expert the next time you start to feel anxious or worrisome about something when, when somebody stops and recognizes that they are having that pain cycle inside their brain, what would you recommend the first thing they do is? Um, The first thing I'm going to ask people to do is to recognize that there's nothing wrong with you. And when I say like, you know, like when I say that, I think that people think one of you, people say it as a term of endearment, like there's nothing wrong with you. You are, you're wonderful. Yeah. Um, But I mean it on a mechanical level. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with you. And why I say that is because, this really, to me, is potentially poignant. Your fingers and your your, th- your skin. Your skin is what they call your faculty for feeling, mm-hmm. right? It's your receptors for feeling. They call it a faculty. I don't know why. Which means, like, your tongue, your taste buds, or your faculty for taste, mm-hmm. right? Your ears would be your faculty for hearing. Theoretically, that's not really even it. It's inside your eardrum, so on and so forth. But you get it. 
So what does it make your eyeballs? What is it the faculty for? Seeing. Is it? Is it for seeing or is it for processing for your human intelligence to interpret the world around you? Because when you close your eyes at night and you sleep, you still see, but you're not seeing with your eyeballs, right? So what do you see with? With your brain. Well, your brain is the object that tells all those things to function and move, right? Yeah. It's not what you sees. It's your human intelligence that you see, right? Like that's separate from the functionality in your brain. It's not mm -hmm. the same thing. We talked about that, you know, I think a podcast before where to me that's what those are those differences. If I died today, my brain would still be here. Yes. But my seeing ability, my touch receptor, all that would be gone. Take that back to a second where I was listening to this thing where it said, you know, that old adage if a tree falls in the forest. And nobody's around to hear it. Yeah. Make a sound. So there's an actual answer. And I always was like, okay, it's a well, well, I mean, I would say, yes, it makes a sound. I would, that was what I say. Yes, it makes a sound, right? Just because nobody hears it, it still makes the damn sound. Has to, right? That's what I, I guess that's what my. Has to make a sound, right? It was always, yeah. Sure, sure, sure. No, because it's the human ear that has the receptor to hear the sound. So there's no sound that happens. No, if nothing's around to hear it because it's not just no sound. Ear. It's, it's not it's not the tree that makes the noise it's the tree that falls that makes the vibration and the waves in the air that causes the sound to happen there's no ear to catch the vibration so there's no sound makes sense it's, i know it's, it's bizarro it's, it's, it's bizarro you have to kind of sit there with it it's that whole so to me it was that concept we talked about the color of the sky is blue well what do people who are colorblind think about the sky it's not blue right mm-hmm it's whatever color they deem, but does it make it any less of a sky? No. Right. It's just the receptor of the eyeball is a different way, but it still processes the moment the same. It's just that the color is different. So anyway, my point is, is that when I say that nothing is wrong with you mechanically, I mean that depression is not a thing except for a title that we gave feeling bad into an extreme. Mm -hmm. Anxiety is not a thing that makes something wrong with you. And here's the thing is that you only get to choose it one way or the other. There is either you admit something's wrong with me or you admit nothing is wrong with me. And I know that even if you feel like something is wrong with you, at your core, you do not feel like there's something wrong with you. Each and every one of us knows that we were here for a reason. We deserve to be here, even if we feel like we're in pain and suffering at this moment. So stop running that autopilot dialogue that I, I, this is me, that I do deserve this. There is something wrong with me. There yeah. is nothing wrong with you. I it's just the, the work that needs to be done. I think that's really powerful saying it like that because while, because I have had full blown anxiety attacks where I'm in my car, like I have to go out to my car because I don't want my partner to see me, but I go out to my car and I'm full blown hyperventilating, yes. crying because I can't control how my body feels. Right. But I'm not once during that have I ever felt like something inside of me was wrong. I felt like the out, like I was just being influenced by the outs, by, by the things surrounding me and like whatever, like the things, the information I was taking in, I was being influenced or pressured by the, my surroundings so much that I didn't know how to process them. So my body's reaction mm -hmm. was anxiety and that's how panic, it manifested panic modes, things like that. Yep. But I never felt, I personally did not internalize something is broken with me. Something is wrong with me. I don't belong here. I'm grateful that I've never had those, that inner dialogue. I know a lot of people that they do, they do because they don't recognize that it's. And they accept that as their identity that some, I'm broken. Something's yes. wrong with me. Yes. 100%. And 
if I could gift the power of, of just that, of recognizing that it's not you, it is the way that you're, you're interpreting everything going on around you yeah. and how you're processing it. And again, the way you're processing it is not broken. It's just pro- it's your current processing method. Yes, it's the process that you learned mm-hmm. and you need to learn a new process. A Correct. New method. Yeah, and you know, here's the thing that you should recognize is that you can learn one process to another and still not get it right. I was actually discussing how I felt like my perception for relationship building and intimacy coaching is is so unique because at first I was struggling to connect with um, a client who was like saying that, like, what's wrong with me? Like, why am I not worth it? And I said, like, in my head, I'm saying to myself, I've never said that about like, like I I was, I was the a-hole in the relationship. I was always in control for that reason. And then I had this aha moment. I was like, of course you were, because every relationship before that, you were that. Mm-hmm. You were, I would do anything to make this guy happy. I'm going to call him day and night. I'm going to talk. If he's talking to me, he can't be talking to anybody else without even knowing it. It was just that this thing makes me feel good. So I have to get so much out of it while I can. And it better never leave me because if it does, how am I going to feel good? Mm-hmm. And so it was kind of that aha moment that I had had both sides of the coin. And so I had gone to the far extreme of so much control in a relationship at the detriment of my partner's growth that ultimately led to the demise of our relationship. Oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, to just be able to now say it in a place where, like, when I talk about, like, my relationship with my husband that I am so grateful for and what it's given to me, and but being able to separate and go, it's not necessarily what he's given to me. It's the awareness to discover it for myself. And knowing that the more practice that comes and you can detach from your I say affection as well as affliction to all the symbols, meaning the house, the car, the clothes, the trophies, the even the Broncos cup from your first NFL game that you don't drink anything else out of at your house. It's, it's a symbol. It's a symbol of my relationship that I covet so dearly mm-hmm. of a memory of being pregnant with our baby girl and going to the first football game ever of his favorite team. How perfect, right? That's what that cup symbolizes. And if I was to ever lose it, 2018 Rachel will probably be devastated. But I'm like, man, it's a cup. But we do this with everything. We do. We do it with t-shirts. We do it with... We teach our kids to do it with blankets. We with stuffed animals. Blankets and sippy cups. That's comfort. It's the comfort that it brings. It's all we're trying to do is feel good. Feel good. Yeah. Well, and I did, uh, as I'm starting to feel physically nauseous and like physically, I feel bad right now. I think that it's important. It's a good reminder to, that there is a difference between mental health and physical health problems. Yeah. And that you can have bad mental health feelings because of your physical illness or illness. And so if there, if you are suffering from any kind of chronic disease, pain, anything like that, know that that your anxiety your mental health is separate from that and that your your physical ailment can cause poor mental health bad mental health but you still have the you still have the choice to choose how you feel about things and your physical feeling and your mental feeling are two different things in my opinion because right now mentally i feel great physically i feel like i'm going to throw up but i am almost six months pregnant. So that is a very normal thing to be feeling right now. Yes. But I would, I would add in though, like if you were saying, you're talking about like the, the better mental space that you're in, 
the better off your physical ailments are going to become or lessen in terms of symptoms, in terms of severity, in terms of flaring up and all that kind of stuff too, or maybe even completely go at bay. Your situation is just argumentally um, something that people can't even speak to because you're sharing two consciousnesses in one body as you grow a person. So there's, of course, every pregnancy is different and all hormones are crazy because there's no control. How do you share that space with somebody? (laughs) So I would say that's the only time in your life where you're allowed duality because you just can't not. Yes. But, and I think, I think you're right. Like if you do have a physical ailment and you choose to have a poor outlook about things, like, you know, that's, I mean, that sounds really harsh. I'm sure I'm going to get. Oh, me too though. Some people that tune want to tune out without, like if you choose to have a poor lookout because people are like, what about cancer? Mm, it's the same as we talked about it all backs up to some at some point the cells couldn't control themselves why yes why because your poor mental thinking and the crap you put in your body and it doesn't just but because because it has to come from somewhere right it's not just the cells one day decide to act sporadic correct see and that i don't know because i don't want to speak to you because i am not a doctor because there are children that are born that are born with cancerous cells well yeah but this it still would have developed internally it would but but they have no control. But um, but you still have that, like you know, people who have cancer, people who have, you know, terminal illnesses, things like that. They still have a choice of, of how they their outlook on life is and how they choose to to feel in the, in each moment. They have a choice on how to feel, and if you choose to feel bad in every moment, then you're going going to, to feel bad. You're going to feel bad for the rest of your life. You're going to succumb to your illness quicker. Because you're going to feel like you have nothing to live for. But if you choose to have a, an, a grateful outlook on life, if you feel to choose, if you choose to feel good about your situation, no matter how shitty it may be, no matter how unfair it may be, I have known some of the happiest people on earth that have had terminal illnesses yeah. because they are so grateful for the time that they were given. They are so grateful for the people that they met. They are so like they choose to have a positive outlook on their negative situation. Like nobody wants to, nobody prays for cancer. Nobody prays for death or for, you know, children dying young, but having the positive. Well, because again, it comes down to you still, even in that limited time, even in that crappy moment, you still only have two ways to feel. Yeah. And that is like, I think that's the fine line. Cause of course, I mean, I, I can never attest to, pumping poison in my body because I needed to, to survive. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, it's not, again, it's not that we're saying, Oh, choose joy. <laughs> we get that. You're allowed to process and go, God, this is like hard on my body, but you could still be God, I'm so grateful that my heart is strong enough for this procedure. I'm so thankful for this amazing nurse who always takes care of me or asking to get a different nurse when the one didn't take care of me. Right. Cause it's not always sunshine and rainbows, but again, it's all about that perspective. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I agree. And I'm not, I would, I will never, I don't think I will ever claim that simply by choosing a positive outlook or to feel good that you will cure cancer or cure your ailments. But I I promise you 100% and I will stand behind it that choosing a grateful outlook or choosing to feel good in the moment, you will feel better at the end of your, at the end of your life. Like Mm -hmm. you will feel like you had a better life even with the same shitty cards that you were dealt, if you choose to live in the negative space and to choose to feel bad, when your last day comes, you're going to feel like you had a shitty, crappy, bad life. But if you choose to live in that grateful, good space, 
and you choose to feel good no matter how crappy the situation is on your last day you're going to look back and you're going to feel good about the life you lived you not might not feel good about the fact that it's your last day to live but you're going to feel good about the days that you did have and you're going to feel good about the situations that you did have and it's all about perspective it's all about gratefulness my something that helped me and truly like it started off i think ironically but something that helped me learn how to start choosing to be grateful for certain shitty situations in my life was was the kind of playing the what if but the it could always be worse like I'm grateful it's not this. I'm grateful that, you know, at least I have this to look forward to because it, I feel like I've lived through enough shitty situations in life that I know that things can always get worse. It might feel tough right now. It might feel bad right now, but it, it could be so much worse. It could be a million times worse. So I'm grateful for what I have. And right now it's the, we're running out of space in our apartment and it's stressful to try and find, I let it get stressful to try and find space to store all of our stuff in our small apartment while still feeling like we had room to live day-to-day -day life without feeling like we were being claustrophobic but then i was very immediately but i'm grateful that we have a larger space than we used to you know two months ago we were living in a smaller apartment so now we have more space than we did i'm grateful that we have all of these belongings that we feel like we don't have enough room to store i'm grateful that we've been gifted so much stuff for this baby that we don't have to spend money on buying new things or feeling like we have to go without because so many amazing people in our life wanted us to have these things. So they gifted them to us for free. So it's the living in the space of feeling grateful and feeling good about your situation versus the feeling bad. Cause I could sit there and complain all day, every day about how, how tiny our apartment is, how old the building is, how shitty everything is, how I wish we had a bigger house, how I'll never be happy, blah, 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 blah. But then it's the immediate, but I'm so grateful for what we have. I'm so grateful that we have a roof over our head. I'm so grateful that our landlord is such an amazing woman and responds to all of our maintenance calls promptly and is never rude about it or negative about it. And is always understanding. It could always be worse. Yeah, exactly. Worse. Um, yeah. One of the things I've been coaching a lot lately is again, this is a phrase. I think that you can use it. Everything money where people absolutely have ginormous blocks around and I just want to scratch that word out and tell people they should just be using wealth anyway. But it can be in your relationships. Definitely in your relationships is where um, I feel like I'm using this the most. And I think it's the most easily accessible. But how about in your mental health? How about in your spirituality? How about your passion? All of those things. So when something feels good, just start getting into the habit of saying, oh, this feels good and I want more. And I think that is so uncomfortable for people Obviously, like, I think the most, uh, the clear indicator is in sex for women, especially. They can't say it in the bedroom. This feels good. I want more. So, to me, it's like, then give yourself an exercise. If it's a piece of bread or, you know, it doesn't have to be, like, anything indulgent when it comes to food. If your salad is fantastic at lunch, you can say, oh, my God, this is good. I want more. What, what are you, not necessarily saying I want more in, in terms of I want seconds, I want thirds. I want more good food for my body. Yeah. I want, I want to experience this more, this feeling more in my life. Right. When somebody tips you very heavily in your business, this feels good. I want more. And some people, they're so quick to even like externally, like somebody asked me the other day when people say like, oh my God, you look so good. Do you still just go, oh, stop it. I said, no, I'm so tired of that. I just say, thank you. 
Like if I even open up a can of worms into the, I'm a, <laughs> what, it, it just goes into the, oh my God, you know, you're really, no, I'm not looking for an ego boost in it. Thank you. I've been working hard at this. I feel really good. I want more. Yeah. Making it as simple as that. Um, and that translates for women because they're like, I, I, I could probably do that. Well, yeah, because you can get uncomfortable about asking for more bread or more salad. You can get a little bit more comfortable with asking for more of a back rub or, um, you know, hand holding in public or whatever it is. And that's such a obvious way to say it. Right. So you can just toe step into the next bigger thing, which is generally the thing that's uncomfortable to ask for or you want more of it. Oh, yeah. If that's a uncomfortable conversation you have to have with your partner about something by the time it's over and done with that felt good I want more it felt good to grow with you it felt good to expand with you it felt good to work through the icky stuff it sucked in the moment but here we are we're to a new level so just start doing that for yourself in all walks of life oh yeah I, I, I if you can can't do the gratitude or if you struggle with the gratitude I think that's an easier well, yeah exercise 100% and I was literally just going to say I feel like that's such a simple way to show people how to start manifesting what they want in life. Stop because worrying is praying for things you don't want. Right. So if you're constantly worrying and praying for negative things, you're going to have more negative things in your life. But if you're verbalizing and mentally thinking and manifesting the good things you want in your life, you're going to get more good things in your life. So verb like practicing that and verbalizing it, no matter what it is, big or small, if something is good or makes you feel good, you want more of it. Want more of it. And it, again, it's, it's that I feel, I do feel like that, that disclaimer needs to be put on there. It's not that we're like, oh, I just ate a bowl of ice cream. That was good. I want more of it right now. Like it's not, it's not about overindulgence. No, it's about, you want that feeling of this food was good more. I appreciated life. it. Yes. Yes. Yep. 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 But that is a really important because that's the other side of the spectrum, the overindulgence of everything. So yeah. Um, some really good things I think to start with, you know, like we talked about, Ugh, like I mean, you can never go wrong with getting in touch with quieting your mind because obviously that's what we're talking about. Like if things are going a mile an hour in your brain, the only thing you could do is to work to slow it down. But if you don't have brakes on your train, how are you going to stop it? Right. So that's what you're doing is learning how to do that. Oh, yeah. And my personal development journey really took off when I think it was the you. I think it was you. Um, <laughs> you started referring to your mental health or your your racing thoughts as your monkey mind mm -hmm. because it was, I was able to detach it from myself. Yep. And so it, that helped me not feel like something was wrong with me. It was that this was a separate thing from myself. It was not part of me it was, or, you know, it was just attached to me. Right. Um, so to package a deal. Exactly. <laughs> um, so then, I mean, it's another, it, it honestly, that calling it my monkey mind, calling my anxiety, my worry, my racing thoughts, just giving it a name, calling it my monkey mind. I've said it so much out loud that Brett even, like, he'll ask when he can see that I'm having a nervous moment, an anxious moment, whatever. He can be like, you know, what's your monkey mind telling you? Like, what's going on? You know, and, and it's it's given him the tools on how to ask how he can help me in the moment. Yeah. Because And that's important, especially in an intimate relationship, is it's not always just about you learning the tools to help and fix yourself. It's figuring out how how to use those tools or teach those tools to other people so that they can help you and you can help others as well. It's not even about having, I think one, I'm going to take that one step further because sometimes there's pressure, I think, for people. And when, when we talk about yeah. once you know it, you have to share it. I think you need to know it's like, it's not about showing them through a podcast or oh, a Facebook yeah. Live or opening your own business. Um, 
you can even just direct them like this really worked for me I think it'd be great for you yeah. or I don't really know it'd be great for you but I definitely know a place you could go to get that that would be send them the podcast and it doesn't even have to be our stuff like send them your book list send them to your church whatever it is that you've resonated with that's brought you some peace and some awareness in your life that's part of the responsibility we talk about so don't be scared to share it, which I think is what a lot of people do is that they work on their self-development in silence because they're nervous. What, what if it doesn't take, what if I put all these promises out there and then I don't, I don't hold up to them. But I think it's really more just like we're embarrassed that we're working on ourselves because we're why am I embarrassed of who I am? Oh, yeah. And that's what's ironic about it is that we're trying to improve who we are and we're too afraid for people to see that. Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> and I wish that, it, I wish that I had a tool or a way for people to get over that feeling of embarrassment because that's how I, I didn't, I have never made Brett sit down and listen to a podcast. I've never given right. him a book. I've never done the, literally how I've taught him the tools or given him the tools, I should say, to help me when I need help without asking for help is because I've verbalized what I've been doing, what yep. I've been, what I've, what what, I've tried, what's working for you. Yes. What I tried, what didn't work, what I like, really there's sometimes where he's just sitting there playing on his phone when I'm rambling about something but he's listening to more than I think he is in the moment. And then, you know, a week later, he's able to, to use whatever he listened to me ramble off about in a way to help me. So it's just, it's learning how to verbalize what's going on in your brain because nobody, nobody Learning how you. to, or just being okay with it even, just like just to open your mouth well, yeah, and say it. Okay, but I think there's a lot of people that they don't know how to just open up, open their mouth and talk about what's going on inside of them. Mm -hmm. they, they were never shown that it's okay to do those things. So it's it's literally rewiring your brain to know it's okay. Yeah. And just do it. Yep. Find the sources that will accept be accepting of you. Because clearly we're out here. Yeah. Yeah. There's so more, There's more of us than people think. You just got to find them. For sure. And we hope that you were able to gain a little bit of traction in your stress, worry, and anxiety today from this podcast. And if you did, we not only hope that you favor it, but you can share this to somebody that you feel like would benefit from it as well. We would appreciate that. No. <laughs> so let them know again where they can find you. Photoswithanderson.com or on Facebook. You can also search for that private group for female energies, 18 or older. It's boudoir photos with Anderson. Yeah, it still is for sure. It is. Four empowerment classes in the month of September happening. I'm super excited about that. Cooking with Chef Tone's Kitchen happening this Thursday. And if you are 18 years or older and a feminine energy looking for a place for intimacy, wellness, building all the sexual fun stuff, whatever you want to call it, then hit me up and I'll get you added to the Facebook group. As it continues to expand, it will. Oh, yeah, because vote for parties on Instagram. I didn't even mention that. Look mm -hmm. at that. Because that's where it's at in my head. All right. So we want to thank you again for tuning in. And we will see you, hear you, listen to you. I don't know. Connect your eyeballs to your human intelligence next week on the podcast as well. So whatever. Stay happy, stay healthy, and wash your hands. Goodbye. Bye.